Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Way to start doing, this podcast off. <laughs> doing fantastic, man. This is my first POV in my new office, my new studio, the first time I've had a big white room all to myself. Yeah, congratulations on like having a complete studio. There's something different about having like a dedicated space to record in. Because, you know, by definition, you spend a lot of time there. I put plants in mine, as you can tell, plants and cool lights. I recommend yeah. you do the same. The the customizing is in its very, very, very early stages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I can see it coming oh, yeah. together already. Um, it's going to evolve. Uh, I don't know if it's going to have the exact same aesthetic as yours, but I'm a fan of what you got going on. <laughs> this has been a long, long time in the making. Um, anyways, for the podcast listeners who can't who can't enjoy the visuals, there's a lot of plants behind me. Um, uh, Christian, I have a question for you and all the Bitcoiners out there. Are you guys ready for just NFTs to just dominate the headlines for the next 12 months? Um, I'm zen with it. I yeah. own like two OG NFTs. I'm anticipating the skyrocket in value, but I don't actually give a fuck about them. And so like in, in the crypto world, in the DeFi world, uh, in the Ethereum world, mainly we have like these two groups of people that we generally separate by very loose lines. And that's wealth people or status people. And the status people are the NFT people, right? Like NFTs, Arts, those are about status, right? Like where you show off your cool NFTs that you've got purchased. And then there's the wealth people who are about like ERC-20s or currencies or assets, right? And so there's like these two different camps. I definitely find myself on the whole like wealth side of things rather than the status side of things. The whole NFTs and art doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but- so explain – wait, before you – before the explain the status metaphor – like, are you saying that right. they are statist? Like, they believe in the state, and no, that's no, no, no. Why, uh, I'm no, confused. Excuse me. Stat- did I say status? I meant status. Status. Okay. Okay. Did so I say we status? Care about status. I, I heard yeah. statist. Okay. So yeah. No. It's a, it's a status versus wealth kind of thing, and like okay. obviously these lines are blurry, right? Because like if you're going to buy, if you're going to be the individual that buy, uses their wealth to buy fine art, like what does that make you? You're a little bit of both, um, but like. It's the NF the NFT side of things are like people who want to show off their status. Yeah. So you call it the wealth people and then the status people, and I just call it skeuomorphic. <laughs> let's not let's not go down that rabbit hole. NFTs are about to be like it has so much surface area for exposure. It's it's going to pull in so many people. Yeah. No, I agree. This is good for Bitcoin. <laughs> okay, when you define everything as good for Bitcoin, then like, cool, that's not a unique opinion. It's, I mean, I'm not trying to give a unique opinion. I'm just trying to state why yeah, I it, and why I don't care. Like, I mean, sure. I you know, uh, I, I think that NFTs are interesting in the same sense, like uh, on the guidelines of what you described last episode, right? Mm-hmm which is like they empower these people to monetize, access this global liquidity pool in these markets. And, you know, right now they're super hyped and it's great marketing. And it's going to continue to blow up. At like, if you think about an ICO and then you think about an NFT, 
an NFT has way more consumer friendliness around it. The UX around it is way, way better too. So that way more consumers can kind of, you know, reach it. Like um, you're at the Mark, you know, kind of Mark Cuban's a great example. He was like, wow, when I saw the interfaces around this stuff, that's when I got really excited. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's fantastic. All that stuff is great. And I mean, I don't think it's a great investment. I mean, it's probably going to go up, but I don't know about your cypherpunks being a great store of value in the long term. They might be a fad. Um, your cri- so I don't crypto know. punks. Crypto punks. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm ig- this is where my ignorance is showing very, very clearly. I'm out of my, my domain of expertise. I, I am also skeptical as to the long-term value of these things. I think like a- NFTs and art are inherently like illiquid. And that's kind of why they are so highly valued is that like you don't need 10,000 buyers. You just need one buyer, right? You just need one buyer to put in that very high bid. And then all of a sudden you have like a crazy high valuation on that NFT. But like illiquidity works well in bull markets, but in bear markets, it does not work well. Not at all. Like all of a sudden that like 30 ETH that you paid for this crypto punk turns into three ETH because there are no buyers, right? Yep. Um Bitcoin Tina said this on the Bitcoin Tina special, but he said that the problem with art and real estate is that they're both a matter of fashion, right? Yeah. So some areas of New York used to be the posh areas, and now those are like the boring areas of New York. And now the areas that were disgusting and no one would ever be seen there, now those are the cool and hip areas of New York. And that's forever mm-hmm. changing. And right. art fashion also changes a lot. Right. And like, I think we could even extend this back to just all value in general, right? Where, where like value is, per, is shared perceptions of humans, right? It's a shared story, shared myth. But some myths are fleeting, more fleeting than, than others. And more, some myths are more lasting than others. And like when, when NFTs are like, a, you know, not, not a dime a dozen, but you can mint a bajillion NFTs, right? Like some of them are going to fall out of fashion. Some of them won't, you know. For some fucking reason, this Mona Lisa NFT has held its value for a really long time, but most most other real world NFTs, aka art, don't do that. I mean, by definition, there has to be a power curve of right. art value storage. Right, like that's just how Earth and nature and humanity works. Like, yeah, eighty percent of the people are going to want the twenty percent of art that they can't have, and. Mm-hmm. You know, 80% of the value is going to be stored in that art. And there's going to be, you know, you can fractal that down and up. Like, that's just, sure. again, that's nature. Sure. Totally. Like, you humans said, you, are not going to coalesce around an equally divided set of value in equal, you know, in, right. in kind of like equally spread out parts across art. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be a power distribution. Right. And that, that power def- distribution definitely has to come from the fact that, like, people can migrate their opinions from opinion to p- opinion, right? And so things can go in and out of fashion. So you said something about, like, all value is effectively subjective. And, like, mm-hmm. I agree that value is subjective, but I also agree that what is money is not necessarily subjective, I think that that is objective because of its characteristics and the network effects that are obvious at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, like, there are um, certain mon- money media mediums are technically and objectively better than others, but that doesn't stop the fact that, like, 
Bitcoin isn't worth anything except for the except for what people will pay for it, and what people will pay for it is a subjective exercise. So like, there's both there's both sides to this equation, right? Bitcoin is objectively a better money for our, all the monetary properties, and it makes sense as to why many people perceive Bitcoin to be valuable. But it will always be a perception at the end of the day. Well, isn't that the whole point of like the most liquid good and like something that's extremely liquid is like everyone wants it and everyone kind of has a price in their like, I don't know. And right now, like Bitcoin is not in its long, like if Bitcoin works out, it's not going to remain in this kind of relationship with volatility in the market. You know, if it works out, like everyone is going to be using this thing to value wealth. So therefore, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like... it doesn't seem like there's going to be a subjective, like dollars aren't super subjective. I mean, I guess like there's the trade between Forex pairs, Forex pairs. Um, no, it's it's the difference between the value of the paper and the ink and the value of what you can get for that. Because mm-hmm. of the symbol, like the dollar is a symbol and symbols are inherently subjective. But it's also a network of stored value. Right. But it's all like subjective. There are physically... Like all, all of a sudden, like we could, like if some fucking reason, like the collective human hive mind all collectively decided to not give a fuck about the dollar and instead give a fuck about Bitcoin or vice versa or asset A to asset B, then like that's technically possible. It's completely unfeasible. But like, again, the value, the value is because other people believe it, which means it stays in the uh, subjective realm. Let's, um, I'm not prepared to go down this rabbit hole right now. <laughs> okay. All right. The other conversation I wanted to bring up is, um, uh, do we want to pivot from, are we done with NFTs? No, this is a similar NFT conversation. Okay. Let's go. Uh, you, you said that NFTs are good for Bitcoin and I'm like, sure, because NFTs are crypto surface area and Bitcoin is a part of crypto, but like NFT surface area is, is more, much more relevant to Ethereum. Like it's good for Bitcoin because it's good for Ethereum. And like it's because it's good for Bitcoin is downstream from the fact that it's good for Ethereum. It's good for Ethereum first and foremost. Let's not let's not muddle those waters. I mean, I think Ethereum is good for Bitcoin, but um I mean yeah, obviously I think they are I downloading Ethereum, Ethereum is- wallets. They mm-hmm. are spreading Ethereum's physical infrastructure network effects. Mm-hmm. Um so They're that using is ETH as money. Sure, they need to acquire ETH and use ETH as money within that ecosystem. Like those are dominant network effects things. But if you zoom out, like all like all of ETH UX are effectively similar to on-chain Bitcoin UX. So now all of those people, like from a from a capability, from a learning, from an onboarding perspective, like they pretty much know how to do a QR code scan. They know to check the little that, you know, either the first or last digits of the address to make sure it's like authentic. Like, you know, they, they've kind of gone through that, that onboarding exercise, kind of like how in the early Bitcoin days, people would onboard people with Dogecoin paper wallets, like get used to the UX, like hold your hand. So like, I'm not trying to downplay like the love, you know, I'm not trying to downplay what NFTs are doing from bringing kind of the masses or the plebeians to crypto UX but I mean, there's absolutely kind of like downstream effects just because they share you Bitcoin on chain and Ethereum on chains share a lot of similar, uh, you know, similar processes. 
Yes, and I think in other words, you're just saying that that this is just NFTs are good for crypto because all these are features that all of crypto shares. Well, I just think that Bitcoin's monetary gravity well is going to suck value through that. Yeah. Okay. So, so that kind of brings us into the question about, or the, the topic of BTC pumping forever, which is, which is something I want to talk about because I do believe that BTC will pump forever along, along the same lines, more or less about how like the S and P generally pumps forever. Like that's kind of the S and P brand, right? You just put your money in the S and P and then it goes up. And so Bitcoiners are like Bitcoin pumps forever because Bitcoin can only go can only become more and more scarce in the face of more and more value existing in the world, but like that's literally infinity the same divided role as, by twenty one million. Yeah, infinity. That's great. It's a great point. But the point is, is that other value can still be created and outperform Bitcoin. And, and like I understand, as Bitcoin is a great measure, the value appreciation of Bitcoin is a great measure of something that you need to beat if you want to quote unquote beat the market. But I, I believe in, pl- in, in plenty of possibilities of plenty of things outperforming Bitcoin because many other things underperformed Bitcoin. And so I think Bitcoin is a great benchmark, but it doesn't mean it's going to be the dominant asset because there are going to be other assets that outperform Bitcoin. So what's like your time frame here? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like five to 20, 20 years. Like so, twice as I mean, long as crypto has been a thing. So if you, I think you, if you ask Bitcoiners that have thought about what hyper Bitcoinization looks like, what they'll tell you is it is a new world where uh, objective and subjective value determination can be made a lot more clearly because there's a clear medium for measuring value. And uh, while you know, there won't be as much investment in things because there's going to be a lot um, less misallocation of capital because we have a clear monetary medium. There will be investment in business, right? And so, but there's going to be a separation between store of value and business risk. Right now, the S&P 500 is, the reason why you index is to get rid of the the company-specific risk. But you're not getting rid of business risk in general. You're not getting rid of, uh, you know, market overall market risk. Like there's still cyclicality to the S&P. Same with the housing market. Same with all of these things. And I would say that the fact that there is so much value stored in equities, there's so much value stored in housing um, beyond like their direct utility for, you know, housing and cash flow, um, that that proves that one gold is broken as a store of value, but it also shows that there's just a lot of opportunity for a true sound money, like for a true thing to like appropriately calibrate the world. And in a Bitcoin world, like there will be business investment and those business investments should outperform Bitcoin, right? If they're not, the business is going kaput. Like, but that's the whole point is that now we have a good way to measure business investment rather than you know, like we have to invest in the S&P because dollars are going to shit and it doesn't matter what the cash flow is of the business. Right. And I, and I think the point I was trying to make is that Bitcoin can quote unquote pump forever while also Bitcoin not being like the dominant outperformer of the decade 
for the next like five decades as it has been for the last decade, right? Like other yeah. assets should outperform Bitcoin. And like maybe maybe also the conversation goes to like, well, what about like on the 250 year time horizon? Like what asset is going to outperform Bitcoin then? And then then that's a more interesting scenario. Some futuristic only- shit. <laughs> Well, my 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 scenario would be like the only asset that could out can be can be Bitcoin on like a 250 year time horizon is something that fits in the in the decided same realm of being a public permissionless blockchain, perhaps one called Ethereum. So this is why like Bitcoin is not supposed to be an investment forever. Like why I'm not interested in NFTs, I'm not interested in tokens, is because this is the time horizon where Bitcoin goes from like the bottom part of the um, of the adoption S-curve up this and then to the top part of the adoption S-curve. The adoption S-curve, mm-hmm. it starts with a flatness, goes parabolic, right. and then goes back flat. So when Bitcoin goes back flat, there's going to be tons of shit that outperform Bitcoin all the time. People aren't going to be speculatively investing in Bitcoin so it moons. They're going to be buying it. So that way they can hold their value, not lose their value. And then they're going to be using it to measure opportunity costs. That is the sound money dream. So in that world, fuck, like probably new aged, you know, futuristic NFTs are going to perform great against Bitcoin. People will speculate against that. But, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot less speculation on shit NFTs. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Well, I'm, I'm, I was specifically just then talking about Ethereum and comparing Ether, the asset, on the same long-term time horizons as BTC. I mean, so, okay. So, I mean, what exactly are you saying, though? Are you saying that, like, Bitcoin number will go up and then flatline and Ether number will go up and just keep going up? Oh, no. Now now I've conflated two separate scenarios where I say, like, yes, like Bitcoin is not like the the world's best performing asset for every single year into the future. It is the new benchmark. Right. And within that definition, there will be things that outperform it. My yeah. then the second part of the conversation I say is like, well, Bitcoin perhaps won't be the only benchmark and perhaps it could be actually the less dominant benchmark another public permissionless blockchain currency, perhaps Ethereum and Ether being that secondary benchmark. And we could have two competing benchmarks, right? Yeah. Like no, first denominated I, in Ether or denominator that. in Bitcoin. I'm, I know you don't. Yeah. <laughs> I know you don't see that. <laughs> um, Ether is something else, but mm-hmm. um, I don't think that there's going to be two benchmarks. It's because there was two benchmarks. It's called silver and gold and... No, what, no, one benchmark not, destroyed are, the other. That's not Ethereum is not Bitcoin silver. Like that's not what it is. It's something. It, you're you're totally right. It's something different, and it's not like a hard money benchmark. But it is a benchmark of a different nature. That is a valid alternative benchmark. Okay, we'll see. Mm-hmm. We will see. I mean, maybe Slowly we're seeing it as a benchmark in this NFT community. I mean, right. Art, art is price and ETH. Like digital art, price and ETH. Yeah, um, but ETH is priced in Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is priced in ETH. I literally price Bitcoin in ETH. So it's been going down, huh? <laughs> yes, sure. Um, in, in the short term, it's also been going up. It's all mainly going up. If you really want to put it into the all the way zoom out. 
versus Bitcoin, it's been going up. I mean, I could have been dunking on you really hard throughout the entire beginning of POV crypto because it was going only down for like a year and a half. But I have to give you right, credit. That's you, because we, that's you wrote because a we lot started. of articles in, during that time. Yeah, that's because Bitcoin, like risk off assets of which Bitcoin is one outperform in bear markets. That's that's just we we aren't even at like a complete one for like one cycle revolution in POV crypto history yet. It's true. Um, it's true. Do we keep going? Is this a short show? I I think it's good. That, those are those are all my topics. Um, OK, well, what's your gut on price right now? Uh, I tried to look into how to buy options because I want to buy $4,000 ether. I want to buy $4,000 call options in May, but there's no good place to do that. What do you like? Darabit, but I have to KYC and they don't accept US citizens. And then also Hedgic, which is a DeFi protocol, but it only goes um, four weeks out. Not not long enough. I don't know what I don't know what ETH is going to be in four weeks. It could be flat, um, but I know in May it's going to be at least four thousand dollars. I know this. I have insider information. <laughs> hey guys, we're getting together and we're going to pump ETH to four thousand dollars in May. Lord yeah. Vitalik decrees it. Yeah, that's agree. We're, we're going to set a parameter in the Ethereum protocol to set it to four thousand dollars. <laughs> Yep, that's what you can do. You can just program money. <laughs> that's exactly right. Programmable money. Programmed $4,000. All right, guys. All right. You guys can follow the podcast at POV Crypto Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Bankless Christian. You guys can follow me at CK underscore Snarks. Uh, you can find me at Bitcoin Magazine. And uh, yeah, Bitcoin 2021 shill. Use promo code Satoshi to get 10% off. David will be when's there. That, when's that? Is that? That's in Miami? Yeah, Miami, June 4th and 5th. June 4th? Yeah, I'll be there for sure. Yeah. For sure. Of all the my time that I spend, spent down in, in Florida, never actually went to Miami. COVID, Dude, well, COVID nixed those plans. Here is your chance. You can have a second wind at Miami, and uh, every Bitcoiner is going to be there. So uh, it's going to be a good time. Lovely. Lovely. Maybe maybe uh, Brady can finally give me that Ethereum t-shirt that he promised me. I hope he burns it. Come on. <laughs> no, he, prom- he promised he'd give it to me. He promised. In person. I, I asked him to mail it to me and he said, no, I'll have to, I have to give it to you in person. I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs> Watch, it's going to be too big. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, that's a good point. I can't remember if we've collaborated on size yet or, or talked about that. Anyways, cheers, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right, I turned it off. Cool. Good rip. Um, are you sure you yeah. did? Yeah. Yeah, I did. It says live for me.
It's a fool you 